Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome everyone to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. We're live here on WYSL until 1 p.m. So that means that you can give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Of course, if you're listening online as well, leave your comments on the Kevin Wilson Libertarian page, A Free Solution Facebook page, the A Free Solution YouTube channel, and Twitter as well. Anywhere you want to leave your comments, I have the chat window open. I'm looking at what you're saying. Participate in the conversation, and we'll talk about it. And, of course, shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in Newark and WENY, the Patriot, down in Southern Tier. Appreciate you guys listening as well. And, as always, you can always send me feedback as well. If you're listening to this later on, either on those stations or on a podcast, contact at a free solution. Dot com. I get the emails. You can also email WYSL. They send the emails to me. So a couple of you. I got a couple of emails in the last week, too. Feedback from our Tulsa show. So thank you, uh, listeners, for listening to the show and engaging with the content. Appreciate it and love the feedback. Uh, so I want to talk about the COVID relief bill today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do kind of the, the quick hits first, right? I want to talk about some of the big headline news that's happened in the last day. Talk about that section one and then sections two, three, and four. I don't think we're talking enough about the COVID the relief bill. And I'm going to use quotes around the, the COVID relief part because it's it's mostly not that. It's mostly – it's $1.9 trillion of a Democratic wish list. And I I think we need to be paying more attention to this because it's, it's not only going to be this massive spending package. It's, it's going to continue on. There are parts of this that I think are going to set up – the American government to create new entitlement programs and cause untold lasting economic damage. All well-meaning, of course. It, it, it sounds very nice, but it's going to be very hard to undo all this stuff. But first, let's talk about – because I know my listeners are paying attention to this stuff. I know people listening to A Free Solution, both me and Larry, talked about this Wednesday and Thursday. We're talking about everything going on with Governor Cuomo. Uh, there's an impeachment possibly happening. Uh, the, to to their credit, the Democrats are actually moving forward with possibly doing an impeachment. Carl Hesse, who's the uh, the majority leader with the New York State Assembly, says, "quote I am authorizing the Assembly Judiciary Committee to begin an impeachment investigation led by Chair by, by Chair Charles D. Levine to examine allegations of misconduct against Governor Cuomo." Now, whether or not they're just doing this in relation to the sexual assault stuff, or if they're also doing the the nursing home stuff. I, I hope they look more into that. I think that is also a very good reason to impeach Governor Cuomo. And who knows what's going to happen with the bridge stuff. And I, and I brought the salt thing earlier, too. And I don't think that's the biggest scandal, but it is, as I mentioned, part of a pattern of cover-up. At least that's what it looks like to me. A part of a pattern of cover-up when Cuomo's political legacy and reputation is at stake, is that they look for ways to obscure and bury 
reports. And they've been getting away with it for way too long. And finally, finally, the political power of Governor Cuomo has waned a little bit enough for Democrats to be brave enough to finally call him to account. And good for them. You know, like they, they, they could have just sat on this. There, there may be a political cost for them as well. I think a lot of Democrats have had some pent up, uh, what, what do you call it, the pent up uh, frustration with Governor Cuomo for a while. And now it's coming out in interesting ways, too. So it looks like there is some sort of investigation happening right now. Whether or not they're going to do a good job, it's Democrats doing this. Are they going to actually hold Cuomo to account? Well, I guess we're going to see. But they didn't have to do anything. They're doing something. Let's see if it's just something to appease the masses to look like they're taking some action or if this is going to be a real legitimate investigation into both the, the sexual uh, harassment allegations and just as importantly, maybe even more importantly, I, I, want, to, I want to dismiss the importance of, of sexual harassment. But, but the, the nursing home thing, like we really got to do something about that. We should have been doing something about that for months. Better late than never, I suppose. But that is something that the governor should resign over. But I have very little faith that Governor Cuomo is going to resign. I think his strategy is going to be to just stop taking questions from the press, find new distractions, blame other people. We're getting people in the kind of Democratic base saying this is just – Republicans attacking him and Democrats are falling for their game. No, I think I think that Governor Cuomo has some pretty serious and legitimate allegations against him in mul- multiple areas. He should resign. And that now we have, you know, like my my county clerk Jamie Romeo who was I think appointed by Cuomo originally saying that he should resign. We have AOC saying he should resign. We have the let's see there's there's now 13 of the uh, Democratic members of Congress uh, in New York State calling him to resign. Rice, Meng, Velasquez, Clark, Nadler, Carolyn Maloney. I don't know how to pronounce that. Espelot? Uh, AOC, Bowman, Jones, Sean Patrick Maloney, Delgado, Higgins. All those, all those folks are now calling on Governor Cuomo to resign. Members of the Assembly, members of the Senate, they're starting to build momentum for this. So if Democrats pull this off, and, I, and as I said on Wednesday, it's got to be Democrats, then good for them. You know, that, that's they have some amount of respect for me. That, the policies are still going to be terrible. But when it comes to, to holding someone account for corruption, uh, lying to the people in New York State and possibly sexual harassment, you know, we'll see what happens with the investigation. If they hold them to account, good for them. Kudos for me. Still going to disagree with you on policy, but but good job on trying to do better for the state. I, I try to be fair. When when Democrats do the right thing, I'll, I'll say so. When Republicans do the right thing, I'll say so. I'm not a party loyalist to either of them. So if they if they do this in good faith, good for them. Good job, Democrats. I don't know if I'll vote for you, but good job. So that, that's all I got on the Governor Cuomo stuff. We're, we're going to see where it goes. We, we've talked about it the last three days. I'm not going to spend the whole show on that stuff. We're going to see what happens with all that stuff. And, and then my other kind of quick hit thing I wanted to talk about is Joe Biden's speech last night. There's there's a bunch of this. And it's interesting to see my, my conservative and libertarian friends. Like the two two points that 
y'all have picked up on is one is the July 4th barbecue thing. President Biden said that he hopes to have everyone being able to have 4th of July barbecues, right? That's a, uh, not, not a direct quote, but, but roughly what he said. And, and my libertarian friends, you guys have said, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and do that anyway. Yeah, guys, like no one, the President Biden ain't preventing you from doing that. Like, my friends, you keep tweeting like he's restricting you from gathering. As of right now, he ain't. CDC ain't preventing you from gathering. The president ain't preventing you from gathering. Andrew Cuomo is. He's he's set restrictions on us getting together. But President Biden hasn't done that. There's a lot of stuff. I'm going to spend the, the rest of this hour criticizing President Biden for this stuff. But all he's saying is that most people should feel safe gathering by summer. I think that's fine. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to wait for President Biden to, to give me the moral thumbs up before I have my Memorial Day barbecue. I'm going to do my thing if I'm outside with friends that I trust and I feel like that is safe for me and my family, then I will just do that and no one's going to stop me. I'm just I'm just going to do my thing. President Biden ain't prohibiting you from having a 4th of July or Memorial Day barbecue. He's doing a lot of crappy stuff that just ain't one of them. And then the other thing folks have seized on is the May 1st, everyone should be able to get vaccinations. I don't know the specific mechanism of how that's going to work. The way I read it is that he's going to strongly encourage and maybe maybe a little bit more than that, uh, the states to lift all restrictions on vaccination. So in New York State, how I can't get a vaccine right now, I don't qualify for that. Even though I want one, I have a, you know, I have a premium in the house. I want to be able to protect myself and him, but I can't qualify for one right now because of my conditions. But those restrictions are going to get lifted. And, and they may get lifted before that anyway. So it's seeming like it's going to head in that direction. But he's not forcing anyone to get a vaccine May 1st. That's not what he said. So I don't, I don't get that criticism. No, no one's making you get a vaccine on May 1st. He's also not restricting you from getting a vaccine. He's not interfering with the rights of the states in any way. And if the state were restricting me from being able to get a medical procedure that I wanted and President Biden use the power of the federal government to stop the states from me exercising my individual rights, that's not the worst thing he could do. I, I don't care that much about that. So anyway, I, I've said two nice things about President Biden, and now I'm going to spend the rest of the hour talking about how absolutely terrible this COVID-19 relief bill is and why is terrible for our country. All right, so thanks again for joining us here on The Free Solution. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. If you want to participate in this conversation, though, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few. A Free Solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here and listening to the show. And we're live here on WISL until 1 p.m. So if you have thoughts on the COVID quote-unquote relief bill, give us a call, 585-346-3000, or leave your comments online. I have the chat window open. We'll get to those if you have anything to say. And so we are on 
our third COVID relief package. And remember, we had to urgently pass the COVID relief package back in, was it last April now? $2 trillion. Get checks directly to the American people. Did same thing late fall last year. Another couple trillion dollars. You know, what's what's another couple trillion on that? And then we got another one. $1.9 trillion. Just a bonkers amount of money. I, I remember... Back back in my day, back in my day, I, I remember in 2012 complaining about like the like the 14 you know trillion dollar national debt. We've just spent over six trillion dollars, six trillion dollars this year alone in extra spending. How on earth is that anywhere near sustainable? It isn't. And let me, let me complain a minute here because I brought up the, some of the Biden stuff like I don't particularly like Biden I think that the stuff that he said in regards to the, the, the barbecues and the, the vaccines are relatively benign uh, it frustrates the heck out of me conservatives and libertarians are focused on that type of trivial stuff including like the Dr. Seuss stuff and other like culture war stuff stuff that like has nothing to do with policy doesn't it change our lives anyway and in fact isn't really government making our lives worse in any way. It's, it's, a, it's a cultural battle. It doesn't matter. And meanwhile, we have again, a $1.9 trillion bill going through. And I'll give myself a little bit of a pass because I was, I was out having a baby. But, but you know, I, I caught up on this this week. And now, unfortunately, after President Biden has signed it, we have... A massive amount of spending that is not going to end with this bill. This is not a one-time thing. There's a bunch of stuff that kind of looks like one-time things. But most of this bill has nothing to do with providing immediate assistance to Americans and making sure that healthcare industries, local, state governments, etc. have the resources they need to battle the COVID-19 pandemic and put it behind us. Because that I, I get... I get that there is a desire to have extra resources to be able to do that. Don't always agree with that. Wonder if there's a better way to do it, but I get that. But anyone want to guess what we spent on getting extra funding for COVID vaccinations out of a $1.9 trillion bill? What's that amount? Five hundred billion, no half of it, a trillion dollars. Nope, twenty billion dollars towards COVID nineteen vaccinations. Now, I know not everyone's a fan of the vaccinations. I, I, I don't care. Let let's just operate in the reality. That's that's what the government thinks could reasonably solve this problem. Vaccinations. We're spending twenty billion dollars towards getting that. There's other ways to do it. I know. But it's only just a, just a teeny tiny fraction. Still a lot of money. $20 billion ain't nothing to, to, to shake a stick at. But just a teeny tiny bit of that money is actually going towards that. Now, the part everyone's going to pay attention to is going to be the checks. It's direct money. Hooray, we're getting a check. $1,400. Hooray. I mean, we're spending 
you know, if they, someone did the math on this, if you split it up among all Americans, it's something like $5,700 uh, being spent per American, we get 1400 back. Great. Just just a small fraction of that back. Nice. $1,400. That's it. I haven't even got my last $600 one. It's being held up for some reason I don't understand. $1,400. And, and you got the media, the Washington Post going on about how that's going to solve you know, poverty among African Americans. $1,400. No, that's, that's like rent for... Well, if you live in Rochester one month, if you live in New York City... You know, less than a month. Rochester's maybe two months rent if you're lucky. Doesn't even cover food or anything. No, that the fourteen hundred dollars is a nice little band aid that's going to make people feel nice. And I know it means a lot to some people. I know for folks on the edge, that is that is great. It doesn't solve our long term issues. What solves the long term issues is getting people back to work. Removing the state-level restrictions on the economy, and there are still quite a few in here in New York. Governor Cuomo, remember, still has the power. The Democrats didn't actually take that away. He still has the power to arbitrarily set and remove restrictions on us gathering, on restaurants being able to open fully. It still exists. That's one of the big impediments of that. It's also a cultural thing. People need to feel safe. I get that. Vaccines would help with that. $1,400, though, small amount of money. We're going to talk about a few more of those in a second, but it sounds like we have a caller on the line. John from Rochester. John, what's on your mind? Hi, Ke- Hi Kevin. You know, I feel like I'm watching the fall of the Roman Empire with uh, what's happening in the last number of years uh, with this COVID stimulus packages. Uh, it's unbelievable. I, I remember very, very well... In fact, the first day I opened up my business was the day President Reagan got shot in March uh, uh, 1981. And at the time, interest rates were at 18 uh, percent. It was it was inflation was out the roof. Uh, what's going to happen is we're going to go into a period of, uh, I think, hyperinflation. I don't know how long it's going to take, but eventually... Uh, that's it's going to happen, and what can you imagine with the uh, the debt we have? Uh, what's going to happen to uh, the deficits at that point? Really, and when you look at the border the border situation, also this is like really the the fall of the Roman Empire. You got the hordes at the borders infiltrating the country, uh, the economic. Uh, the uh, disaster that's going to hit the Roman Empire because they spread their they 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 were spenders also and uh, it's all going to bite us. I'm very concerned. I'm sure you are too. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you lost me at the horde stuff. I find that a bit ugly. I, I think immigrants add value and they they can come here, pay taxes, do their thing. Don't just do your thing. Don't bother me. But the the spending thing. The, the spreading our resources too thin thing. That, John, I, I think we, we agree on. And, yeah, I mean, we it, like right now I feel like, you know, I, I used to live down in hurricane country. And I, and I feel like there's a point at which you can't evacuate anymore. Like you, you can get out of there. You can do something about the problem. And now we're at the point where like, well, it's too late to move. We just got to wait and see how this storm happens. I'm worried there's going to be a debt and inflation crisis because of how much we're spending. And, and both Democrats and Republicans – seem 
totally unconcerned with how this issue is going to affect us down the road. They, they want to do something that feels good right now, regardless of the long-term consequences of that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The, the Republicans have sat on their hands also when they had control of both houses and the presidency. You know, there was a period where, you know, uh, I, t- I always told my uh, leftist friends that uh, Donald Trump, he's, he's going to be a big spender. He's an he's a old-fashioned liberal from New York City, and uh, the left, my leftist friends, I said, listen, you should embrace the guy because he, he has a lot of liber, liberal traits that go with, go with spending. But the one tr- thing Trump did try to do during his administration was he tried to use some of the excess uh, dollars that were, weren't spent yet in some of the departments throughout the government uh, to pay down the debt. And the Republicans wouldn't let them. Yeah. So the Republicans are complicit in this, too. They, they've had the opportunity to scale back spending. They've been in power. They could have done it during the Trump administration, spent responsibly, got us on the path to doing that while times are still good. And they squandered that opportunity. And then remember, the first two COVID relief packages happened under President Trump, too. They, they, they happened with Republican support. Yeah, yeah, Trump. Trump is a spender, and I'm a big supporter of Trump. But uh, I, you know, it, it's almost like everybody's given up in trying to stop overspending. Yeah. So we've got to start doing something about it. I'm worried that the hurricanes already here. It's too late to evacuate. That that's where I'm feeling right now. Maybe I'm wrong, but thanks, John, for a call. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. And if you want to call in and let us know what you think, just like John, give us a call. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're going to be back with more from our free solution in just a few minutes. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. There hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. All right, welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here and discussing this issue. I want to talk about that COVID relief package. And, and a couple things I want to mention. I think I may have gotten the math wrong on how much we spent. It's closer, was it $900 billion for the last one? 
two billion for the first one, one point nine billion. So it's closer to a little over five billion, or five a trillion. Sorry, uh, you know what, what's a trillion here or there though? It's, it all it doesn't even matter at this point, right? Now, I also want to point out that most Americans like this. The Democrats are looking at the. There's a Pew uh, Research Center uh, poll that was released that said seventy percent of Americans support this spending package. I'm sure not the folks listening to this show, because you guys know, as, as John and I talked about in the last segment, you guys know how unsustainable this is, how destructive these massive spending packages could be. We're not, we're not our third one. And especially this one, this one even more so than the other two. I kind of get the first one a little bit. Didn't really like it all that much. I thought there are better ways to handle this, but I I can empathize with the emergency of the situation last year. But we're at a point. We're spending trillions upon trillions of dollars. How are we ever going to dig ourselves out of a hole? 70% of Americans just think, oh, cool, free money. Cool. Not you guys, though. You, you guys know. Yeah, folks listening to A Free Solution, listen to me and, and Larry Sharp here and, and Andrew when he's on, too. You, you guys know that we can't do this forever, that money isn't unlimited, that we can't just keep making stuff up and have that work out for us at the end because it ain't going to. A reckoning will happen eventually. I don't know when, but eventually there is going to be an actual cost to this. You can't just keep making up wealth out of nowhere. Resources have to come from somewhere. See, hyperinflation or increased interest rates or something. It's going to happen. doesn't matter if 70%. And, and, and I'll say this too for, for Democrats and Republicans. It doesn't matter if 70% of Americans favor something. I'm not kind of a, a pure small-D Democrat on this. It doesn't matter if a majority of Americans think something. If it's still the wrong thing to do, if it's still a destructive thing to do, you have a moral obligation not to do that, even if there's a political cost to that. That's the the hard price you have to pay as a principled individual, and most politicians don't want to do that, with rare exceptions. People like Justin Mash being one of them, and, and he's, now he's not in office anymore. That's what happens. The principled politicians who say it doesn't matter how unpopular this is, I have to do the right thing. They get punished. Sorry, folks. It's not an easy road to go down. All right, let's talk about all the free money you're getting now. Uh, so I- I'm, I'm going to be getting a little bit more money, it sounds like. It sounds like they're going to have a $300 check. Just a, just a straight-up check. They, they call it like a, a tax reform credit, but it sounds like I'm, I'm getting a check, $300 check for, for having a child. Just... Just another another little bit of money going in my pocket. And of course I'm against this. I, it benefits me personally. I get it. It's going to pay for, I don't know what, five minutes of daycare. Great. Uh, and it would benefit me personally. It's great. It's only supposed to go on for a year. But was, <laughs> uh, what was I, – I'm, I'm trying to remember what the quote is. And someone helped me online. So there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. I've got to remember who said that now. So someone help me out online or give me a call with uh, who said that. This uh, temporary government program that's only supposed to last through a year, 
sending $300 per child. This is not really anything to do with COVID relief. It has to do with just something the Democrats have always wanted to do. They wanted to kind of experiment with a UBI type of model, just sending checks to people. Now, if this was a replacement for other types of defined welfare benefits, I I could get behind that a little bit more. I think that the Byzantine nature of our welfare state is an absolute mess, and it takes a massive amount of work to navigate, and our federal government and our state governments do a disservice to people in actual need by making it very complicated. I can get that argument. So better ways to do it, but I can get that argument. I respect the people who make that argument. This is just just another check. On top of everything else, just another check thrown out. And I, and I get that it's going to help Americans. I get that, that people are going to like this. It's going to be very popular. Everyone with kids going to get $300 per child. Great. Temporary boost. Going to cost $100 billion. And on, on $1.9 trillion, what does it even matter? $100 billion here, $100 billion there, whatever. Nope, going to cost much more than that, though, because when this gets taken away or when there's discussion of this expiring, this sunsetting after the $100 billion is up, you know Democrats being in control of the House and more or less in control of the Senate and the presidency, it's going to be a big push to make this a permanent part of our welfare state. It's going to be there forever. It's going to cost much more than that. Where are they going to get that money? Who knows? They're just printing a bit more. Just keep going until this whole thing collapses. That's where we're at. Sounds like a nice thing. I would appreciate it more if this were a replacement for other benefits, but it's not. Just a, a temporary boost. And here we are. It's also a boost to Obamacare. Of course, you may have noticed that your health insurance premiums are continuing to go up. It's no surprise to the folks listening to this show, maybe maybe other folks. So make sure you share this with your friends who aren't paying attention to this type of stuff. But it's no surprise to us listening. Oh, gosh, our health care premiums are continuing to go up. They're getting bigger and bigger despite the fact that we have this health care reform happen well, 11 years ago now. Now, conservatives and libertarians said this would happen. We knew this was going to happen. We knew that creating massive federal new bureaucracies and regulations, regulating health care, doing the worst of both worlds in terms of uh, government intervention in health care and maintaining the corporate structure that creates some legitimate problems in health care now, get another $34 billion boost, subsidized health care plans. Because, well, you know, those plans on the Obamacare exchanges are expensive. Suddenly they're not affordable anymore. Well, we'll just put a Band-Aid on Throw some more money at it. It's going to make everyone feel good. Going to be fine. Don't even worry about that $34 billion. Don't worry about where it's coming from, where it's going. Just just throwing it out there to boost a program that a, – a policy change in Obamacare that was always a bad idea and left real reform on the table, no matter how you look at it. We have nothing – Resembling a free market in healthcare. We could do a whole episode about that. Nothing resembling a free market in healthcare, despite what progressives tell you. And now we're, we're going to 
throw another $34 billion in subsidies, temporary subsidies at that. Hooray. And then we got another $86 billion for multi-employer pension bailouts. So what these are, these are some private pension plans that you know sometimes uh, unions buy into them sometimes uh, contractors buy into them but they they pool across uh, multiple uh, entities and a lot of them because they didn't want to up worker contributions to make sure that they could be uh, sustainable they just relied on their investment savvy to do it they've been unsustainable for a very long time they didn't uh, what what this has to do with covid-19 well, it's a mystery to all of us. Even the New York Times says it has nothing to do with the pandemic. They just they just wanted this. The Democrats are just like, oh, well, we've we, we wanted to spend this money for a while. We got the power. Let's just do it. We'll throw it in the COVID package. No one will notice. No one's paying attention to this. We're paying attention. But but most of the news outlets, they're not talking about this. They're not talking about how this is totally irrelevant and how this makes a system that is unsustainable. I'm going to use that word a lot, but a system that is already unsustainable, unstable, not able to maintain itself. Pension plans are – and they're, they're, they're risky. The defined benefit pension plans are always risky. They need to find a way to make this work without government bailouts. And yet what have we done? We've extended that problem even further. Just build that bubble up more. It'll be fine. Maybe it'll work out at the end. $86 billion tossed into that. Okay. We got even more to cover. There's there's a lot of money to cover <laughs> in this bill. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. We're going to be back in just a few minutes, but if you want to call in, you have a, an item that I haven't pointed out yet that you want to highlight, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back with more on A Free Solution in a few. This is Kevin Wilson, the host of A Free Solution. If you're enjoying this episode right now, you think that me and Larry Sharp are providing good content to you, I'd appreciate you doing us a favor. We have a Patreon now. If you go to patreon.com slash a free solution, pledge to donate five, ten dollars a month, just a, a few bucks a week, and this helps us create new content, hire better researchers, get better guests, and Helps us stay on air, too, because it's not totally free to be on the air. Give $5, $10 a month to our Patreon, and as a reward, we also give you exclusive early access to some of our episodes and bonus content as well, stuff that you will no longer be able to find on the podcast. So go to patreon.com slash a free solution to support our show and make sure that me and Larry Sharp can give you the best content possible. Thanks. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we're here on WISL until 1 p.m., so give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. But shout-out down the line to our friends over at WACKO in Newark and WENY, the Patriot down in the southern tier. Appreciate you being here as well. And if you guys want to give me feedback, send me an email, contact at afreesolution.com. And uh, I read those emails. Take your feedback seriously. Now, I've gotten... I got a lot of stuff when I talked about the uh, the uh, election scheming stuff, the, the election uh, 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 fraud stuff. You guys sent me so many emails, and I appreciate it. Read all that stuff. I did not have time to respond to all of it in the last couple of weeks, but appreciate you being here. And appreciate your fr- my friends listening online as well. 
on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe there, Free Solution, and on the Facebook page as well. Thanks for being here. And you guys, you guys sick of it yet? Are you guys sick of all the spending that's happened? I'm nauseated by it. So much spending. Much of it having very little to do with actual COVID relief. Just just money that's being tossed out there because that's what the Democrats wanted. Now, there is more spending on primary education funding. $130 billion in this bill. As I looked, $130 billion. Only about $6 billion of which will actually be spent this year because we had education support in the last bill. And guess what? It didn't get spent yet. They haven't even spent that one yet. $100 billion still left over. Just a, what are we, what are we even adding to this for? They, they haven't spent the last, you haven't eaten the last one. You gotta wait until you finish that up before you can have this new stuff. That, that makes sense, right? No, instead all we've done is just create a massive pool of money for the Department of Education and for teachers unions to go after just a, a little bit more spending. And now when they stop giving that money in the future, when that money eventually runs out, then suddenly, oh my gosh, you're cutting education spending instead of remembering where it actually came from, which was a massive boost to get kids back in school. That wasn't even used yet. Like, well, the distribution process is going so slow. And, and even with this extra money, there's still no guarantee that local districts and teacher unions are going to go back to full-time anyway. A lot of the barriers are not even related to that. They say they need more resources, and, and in some cases they do, but it's, it's already all out there. we got another $130 billion dollars put towards primary education funding and it's just big old thing of pork <laughs> because teachers unions pressured the the biden administration and nancy pelosi into to adding that to this bill and totally unnecessary in my opinion we should be opening up schools if not now then at least as soon as possible it's fairly low risk. We figured this out. We've had a year to figure this out. $130 billion towards that. Ridiculous. And then I'll cover, see if we get at least one more in. There's also $350 billion for state and local governments. And so this is kind of a, a weird one. We've covered this before in and, and when we talked with we, we talked with the, the the Livingston County Administrator a few months back, we talked about how this might work and how it might be a good idea to help states and local governments who are legitimately struggling because they're facing a budget gap specific to COVID nineteen. And there's some places where that is actually the case. It was a Ian Coyle, and that was back when we were called Radio Free New York, but. Worth listening to if you haven't heard that show. Go look it up on our podcast. It's in there. Uh, and, and a lot of that conversation is still very relevant. I think it was back in November. So that I can I can get, at least, if you, you have a, a crisis specific to a shortfall in revenue because of COVID-19, then great. 
Now, the, the issue in, in New York State and many other states is that the financial issues are not related to COVID-19. They were pre-existing, that the state was already having trouble keeping its budgets in line because, well, they've just mismanaged stuff. So even during good times, they couldn't manage to bring in enough revenue to manage all of their priorities effectively. They've overpromised different benefits and different projects, and now they're having trouble figuring out what to do with that, including pensions, things like that, too. This this bill gives something like $350 billion, the last number I looked at, towards state and local governments and Native American tribes. It's supposed to fill temporary budget holes. And the problem is, again, in, in other states, in some states like, uh, like, like West Virginia, even in California, they're actually doing fine. They've kind of got a surplus right now. So what do they need this money for? It's not earmarked to to need it specifically. Why do we why do we need to have this massive slush fund to bail out states, many of which are having issues right now, not because of COVID, but because they just can't manage money effectively. New York State being one of the biggest examples of that. And the other very strange thing about taking this money is because getting this extra money in some ways creates a surplus for some of these states. They would get more than they actually need. There's language in this bill to say that they might not be able to cut taxes. They can't reduce tax, the reduction rate, rebate, deduction credit, or otherwise. in order to give money back to the people of their state. They're not allowed to offset any of the the gains that they've made through this bill through a reduction in taxes. So it may make it harder for states to reduce taxes. And some states were already thinking of reducing taxes for unrelated reasons. And if they get some of this money, they, they have to take some of this money. And I'm not clear about what they have to take versus what they can refuse, and if they're able to get a little bit of this to fill in a budget shortfall, what does that mean? Then they may not be able to lower taxes. And so now states are wondering, well, are we going to uh, get in trouble if we go through with tax cuts that they're already planning? Mississippi, New Hampshire, West Virginia, they were planning tax cuts. Mm -hmm. Are the feds going to go after them for that? The West, the West Virginia governor is wondering what what they can do if they're going to end up going to court and using more of their state's resources, fighting with the federal government because they're saying, well, we don't really need all this money and we want to lower our taxes anyway. What do you do? And, and what's funny, this bill also doesn't allow states to use this towards uh, their pension funds either, which that's kind of the main budget issue. That's the main liability for especially states like New York and California and and a lot of local governments as well. The main issue is uh, pension liabilities. They cannot possibly fulfill everything that they've promised. That might be a separate bailout coming soon. Now, let's not make reforms to make the system sustainable. Let's just just bail it out. It's fine. Keeps everyone happy. You get your defined benefit. No one's exposed to the risk of the market, etc., can't just switch it over to uh, you know, the fine contribution plan with a 401k or whatever. We're going to we're just make these unsustainable systems. Uh, there's also issues with uh, not being able to help 
fill gaps in state unemployment funds as well, which is another part of this bill. There is a, a unemployment boost, an extra $300 a week in unemployment as well. They're extending that through September. More money, more out the window. And I know we only got like a minute left. So I think I've covered a good chunk of these now. But my point is look into this and my goodness, let's start holding our federal officials, Democrat and Republican, because Republicans have been absolutely asleep at the wheel on this issue for the last 10 years. We got all excited with the Tea Party 10 years ago and now just absolutely failing in their duty to exercise responsible spending and anchor our policies to financial reality. Republicans, y'all got to do better. You, you guys are the ones who are supposed to be good about this. I expect this out of the Democrats. Republicans, you got to do better too. All right, thanks again for joining us on A Free Solution. We'll be back next week. Larry will be on a Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>